the yelling, the yelling just kept getting worse and worse. And I didn't understand why, because I kept trying, like, I'm not going to yell today. I'm not going to yell today. And then it was like an explosion. Are you a mom with a story to tell, but not sure where to start? Publishing a book is kind of overwhelming. Now throw kids and babies into the mix and you got a lot going on, but that doesn't mean you can't build yourself a thriving author life. My name is Jackie and I'm a mom and an indie author and I'm here to show you how, step by step, to get your books written, published, and sold, even if the only time you actually have to write is during your toddler's afternoon nap. It's time to write like a mother with these moms right. Being a mom is not just about taking care of your kids, it's also about taking care of yourself and making space and time for writing as part of that. But how do you actually do it? Erin Canning is a writing coach, fantasy writer, and the host of Parents Who Write podcast. In today's episode, Erin shares how she overcame past trauma to take control of her mama life and tips and strategies she uses to help other moms do the same. Please welcome Erin Canning. Hello, Erin. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Really, what are you most excited about right now? Uh, honestly, any opportunity to talk about writing and and honestly, the additional challenges of parenting that that brings to the table is uh, that's a topic that I am particularly passionate about. So it's just exciting to be here, being able to talk about both of those worlds and how they come together. Yay. Okay. We're going to get there, but I want to ask you about something I read on your website and it is related to yelling. Tell me more about the yelling. Oh, the yelling. Yeah. Oh gosh. So I always had this dream of the type of parent that I was going to be. And of course I was going to be nothing like my parents. I was going to have endless patience and, you know, that fairy tale setting where you can sit the child down on your knee and they will listen to you and you bond and everything's just all hunky dory. Um, and I did somewhat start out with that with my first child. Um, adjusting to parenting was a lot harder than I ever imagined it would be. And my husband and I are alone in Maryland. His family is in another state. My family is several states away. So we didn't really have anybody that we could turn to for support. So it was really just him and me. And it got harder as parenting happens. Um, and then we had our second kiddo and the yelling got worse. Um, yeah. Yeah, I tend to get a little emotional when I tell this story, but it was uh, the Christmas of 2019, I believe, and I, I'm i not even going to get on my soapbox about the pressure of parents to make the most magical holiday possible, um, but I was baking my sixth batch of cookies, crazy, I know, and I could not get the sugar cookies to peel off of the parchment paper without distorting. And then 
while I was struggling with that, my darling, then four-year-old and one and a half year old, I don't remember what ages they were at this point, um, (laughs) managed to take every single one of their toys out and strew them all over the living room floor and all of the itty bitty accessory pieces and separate them. And it just looked like a toy bomb had gone off in the living room two days before Christmas. And I picked up my four-year-old by the arms and screamed in his face as if he had set the house on fire as I was screaming at him and my spit was flying onto his face. He got this very numb look on his face. And I immediately flashed back to my dad doing the exact same thing to me. And I put him down and I ran in my room and I sobbed hysterically Uh. And my husband came in, he took care of the kids and he came in and he was wonderful. He was like, we're human. There's a lot of stress. You put too much pressure on yourself. And I said, the yelling is only getting worse. I need help. Mm. So that was the beginning of me getting a lot of help for my anger. Um, But ultimately what it turned out is that I had undiagnosed anxiety Mm. undiagnosed ADHD, um, and then also trauma from my own childhood that I thought that I had completely gotten past. Uh, But it turns out when you have kids, they can actually re-trigger past trauma that has not been dealt with. So it it was a combination of factors. But the yelling... The yelling just kept getting worse and worse. And I didn't understand why, because I kept trying. Like, I'm not going to yell today. I'm not going to yell today. And then it was like an explosion. That's yeah. so many raw emotions. Thank you for sharing them. Oh, it's it's not easy to share, but because I carry still so much guilt when I think back, especially when my son was between four and five years old, um, I I tend to beat myself up a lot for not being the parent that I feel he deserved back then. Um, But I didn't know what was going on with me. And so that's one of the reasons why I started writing again and sharing those stories is because I want other parents to know that they're not alone and that a lot of times it, it can be a combination of undiagnosed issues or also just the amount of pressure that we put on ourselves. And so we're human. We we do make mistakes, but you're not alone and there are resources. And I just, I want other parents to know that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, that if you had experienced childhood trauma, that it would come back when you yourself have children to raise. But yeah. I could see how, you know, we don't think about it too at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because I really kept thinking, no, I've got it today. I'm not going to yell. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't stop myself. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. But that was the beginning of uncovering bigger issues. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing that you could recognize that moment you know, seeing the expression on your son's face, like you had that moment of clarity, right? Oh, yeah. I remember my dad yelling in my face. 
and the spit flying on my face. And I remember in that moment, I also was numb. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I hate you. Yeah. You're not a good parent. Yeah. And I could picture my son thinking the exact same thing about me. And, oh, it was it was a dagger to the heart. Yeah. But I bet your dad never realized that, you know, you're. you're yeah. I know it's hard to see that, but it is an act of courage that you were able to see that. Yeah. I talked about that particular incident with my therapist. Um, and I am forever grateful to her because what she told me is that what your child remembers most is actually the repair, not yeah. the fight itself. Yeah, And I did even before I finally saw a therapist and tried to figure out what was going on. Um, after I was done crying and feeling those feelings, I sat down on the stairs with him and I told him, I am so sorry that I talked to you that way. You don't deserve to be talked to like that by anybody. And I love you and I'm trying to do better and I will never stop trying to do better for you. And he and I talked about it. You know, he was still mad at me, understandably. Hmm. But it's something that he and I continue to work on because he and I, our personalities just clash. He's very much like me. I'm very much like my father and he's very much like me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, but, but he and I keep working on it and we've made significant problem progress, both of us. Um, But it's, it's continuous. It's a continuous effort. It's not like, oh, I've broken the cycle. Woohoo, we're done. You know, it's it's everyday effort. <laughs> yeah, things are never that easy. So what happened next? What happened next was I did start seeing a therapist for about six months and she helped me, but something else happened simultaneously. And it was, uh, I've always had this philosophy that I can be depressed and crying, but I can still click buttons at the same time. So While I was depressed and crying, I was clicking buttons on my computer and trying to search for resources. And I started typing in mom, lost identity, uh, things along uh, along those lines. And I found a week long free workshop by Dana, by Dana Abraham from Calm the Chaos. And her workshop was called Find Your Spark. And I was like, yes. Yes, I I need to find my spark Um, because I had started to realize that I had lost all sense of who I was beyond being a parent. There was, I, I feel guilty still saying this because I feel like, of course, my children should bring me joy. But I was starting to get to the point where I was just so emotionally tapped out all the time that it was, I was struggling to find joy even in the simple things. And that was contributing to the anger. So I, um, I did Dana's workshop for a week and she challenged us to start really digging deep into who we are again. And we had to explore our interests, our likes, our dislikes, our values, our beliefs, and, and it was hard because a lot of times where we would start and I had nothing to put on the page. Like, I just wanted to close the laptop and cry because I just saw a blank page. I, I was like, wow, I really am a void right now. Um, 
But what was fantastic is that when people started answering as a community and people started offering ideas, then I could be like, oh, yeah, that's something. That's a piece of something. I can write that down. And so it got me thinking. Um, And at the end of it, basically, she took all of these pieces that we filled out and created a Venn diagram. (laughs) And what came to light at the end of that was a core piece of my identity was still, it has always been wanting to help other people and writing. And it never occurred to me that those two things could go together. Mm. And I had given up writing after I had my first child. I thought that ship had sailed. Mm. So I was quite shocked to find out that that was still a fundamental part of who I was. And I had just let it fade away. Yeah. And this is not, your story isn't unique. I think that so many of the moms that I talk to that are writers now are rediscovering that writing passion, the spark, as you said. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting that we all have that same experience of letting go of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I gave myself grace with my first child. I was because he had a lot of challenges. He was three and a half pounds when he was born. He had no muscle definition whatsoever. Um, I was on partial bed rest for the last trimester. And um, so when he came into the world, I was completely focused on helping this tiny little person succeed in everything. And he always did. He's to this day, an extremely persistent child. And that's what got him to actually be able to finally sit up and start walking. You would never know looking at him now, the struggles that he had when he first started. Um, But like I said, I was so focused on him. I was like, it's okay that I'm not writing. I can let that go for now. And I still think that that was okay. It was just when I started to get the inkling to write again, I then had baby number two and then more anxiety, more everything. And I, and then it was just kind of gone <laughs> for another two and a half years. <laughs> mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's a really good reminder that there is a sort of survival instinct that kicks in when we have children and we're suddenly in the shock of like, I need to make sure this human is still breathing. Like that's not me now. Yeah. It's a full-time job making sure that they continue to live another day. And if there's medical complications, of course, that's going to make that even a bigger job. Yeah. That was terrifying. Mm -hmm. How many times my husband and I would semi joke around, but like if we made it through the night without him waking up and we'd look at each other in the morning and be like, is, is he still breathing? Yeah. (laughs) please go check on him, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> I know. Thank it's, it's hard at the time to think that the, you're ever going to get past it. And yet now I almost forget about those times where yeah, are so tuned into their just like basic, you know, bio rhythms. You're like terrified of that. Just like the most basic human things that we take now for granted. Yes. Being, You know, I just, I wish that I'd had a community like this when I had started out as a parent, because one of the things that I talk a lot about 
on my own podcast is that I didn't realize that I had to be careful with protecting time for myself and prioritizing myself too, because prior to having kids, that wasn't a skill that I needed help with, right? Like I was the only person I had to worry about. So, right. Like I, it never occurred to me that I would forget how to care for myself as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of the reasons why I talk about this a lot now to other parents and say, yes, you do. Please protect yourself. You, It's okay. It's it's better for your kids too. It is. So you mentioned that you had that moment of clarity that you wanted to help. So what does that help look like now? It's taken many forms, which is shocking because it started initially with me starting my blog, Life Beyond Parenting. Um, And when I published that first article, I hated everything that I wrote. I thought that my writing skills had atrophied. I was judging myself, but I had reached a point in my life where I was just so, like I said, emotionally void uh, that I was ready to just do it. I didn't care. I was, I was done. Like I just, I needed to get it out there. I'd rather do it scared than not at all. So it just started with that blog and then it grew to reaching out to other people on social media to create a community and wanting to connect with that community online. I initially just had the page, the Facebook page, Life Beyond Parenting. Um, And then I started doing regular lives, live videos. And I started bringing other parents who write into those live videos on Facebook for like an hour long conversation. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute, that this is what a podcast is. I, oh, I should make a podcast parents who write. Okay. So um, it's part of that. And then also I have 15 years experience as an editor. So when I realized that I wanted to help other parents, it was also helping them to find that spark again and reconnect with themselves. And I, even if that's journaling, because I do believe that journaling is the gateway to creativity. And so I also started my own coaching program to help parents get back into writing and find their voice and believe in themselves again and make time for themselves and um, remember who they are beyond being a parent. We're always going to be parents. It's not excluding parenthood. It's in addition to being a parent. Yeah. Turned into a lot of projects. Never saw it coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot. So what has been the most surprising part about that journey? The people. I, you know, you're a podcaster. You get it, right? There are moments where I am struggling with getting a podcast episode out while my kids are getting some screen time and I forget to eat. And then there's sporting events and whatnot. And I'm banging my head against the computer, fighting with technology. But then I heard from somebody just the other day who said that they were driving and she found my podcast and she pulled over to the side of the road and she heard my story about how I lost touch with who I was and I forgot who I was. And she said that it, it hit so raw and she started crying and she's like, I really want to get back into writing. Mm. And just like that one kind of message, 
made it makes everything worthwhile because I remember feeling so utterly alone and thinking what was wrong with me. I have this beautiful husband and these beautiful children that I wanted and worked hard for. Why can't I be happy? And I thought it was me. And to a degree, it was in the sense that I had just let go of myself for everybody that I loved. But the whole process taught me that we have to love ourselves too. And that when I'm taking care of myself, I'm taking care of my kids. And so being able to hear that story resonate with more people and that it's giving them help, that it's giving them hope, that it's getting them to recognize that they need to take care of themselves too. It's, I don't know, it's just this inspiring idea of paying it forward and trying to just put more creativity and hope back out there. I always tell my son, the world needs more kindness. And I don't know, I just like to think that maybe somebody who listens to my podcast, if they are giving themselves more kindness, they're putting more kindness back out into the world too. Yeah, very well said. Mm, thank you. And, and so, so what would be your insights or your, your tips for parents listening now, moms, mm. moms, like, do you have like a few things that you're like, this one, I need to remind my clients of a lot. Yes. So one of my favorites is um, schedule blocking. I printed out a hourly schedule and I looked at it because prior to doing this, I was like, there's no possible way that I can make time for myself throughout the day. I can't even go to the bathroom by myself. How am I possibly going to fit in time to write? But when I printed out the hourly schedule and I forced myself to look at it, I started blocking out the the time that was inflexible. So school drop-offs, dinner time, bedtime routine, um, any anything along those lines. Those are fixed points in time that's not going to change. And so I would block those out. And I would look for the holes in my schedule, even if they were 10-minute holes. And I realized that there were three or four of them. And I was like, oh, they're So what am I doing with that time? Mm. And I realized that I was constantly filling it up with dishes and laundry and everything else that needed to get done in a day. And so my to-do list is never ending. So my tips are actually two-part. So the first one was finding those holes. And then the second one was learning to pick three priorities every day. And that was that was what I would mark my success of the day with. It was just getting those three things done. Anything else is bonus. For my family, the dishes always seem to get done. If we really need a load of laundry, it's going to get done. But that's not my top three priorities of the day. Yeah. And so once I started identifying those top three priorities of the day, and I made sure that at least one of those was for me, um, because those were the three things that I was focusing on. I could still 
get those three goals done in addition to a couple other things. And the reason why that made such a huge difference is because it's kind of like, have you heard of the rock sand uh, pebble theory? Mm, no, maybe. Okay. Say okay. So, okay. So I'll share. So this is, this falls in line with the rock stone, wait, rock pebble sand theory. There we go. Um, so if you fill a jar with sand and then you try to fit in your three rocks, they're not going to fit. The sand has filled up the jar. But if you put in your three rocks first and then you pour in the sand, the sand filters around the rocks and fills up the jar, but you've got your three rocks in there. And so that's the same idea with when you pick your three priorities for the day, those are your three big rocks. Mm. Because you're focusing on those first, the laundry, the dishes, getting lunch on the table, that sand, it's still going to get in there throughout the day. But as long as you've got your three rocks, like that's what you're measuring your success by. Because the fact of the matter is there's always going to be sand. Like there's massive amounts of sand, right? And and so we get overwhelmed with the fact that I'm just never going to be able to get everything done in a day. And that's because we're focusing on the sand. Mm. But if we take the time to focus on those three rocks, it's like, this is, I have succeeded for the day because I got these three things done. And then it's like, oh, look, I got this other bonus stuff done too. Cool. But I'm not measuring my success by those. That is a really cool metaphor. I love it. (laughs) I love it too. Every day at the beginning, I make a list of all of my to-dos that are pressing. And then I pick the three that are the most important. And one of those is for me. Nice. So, um, and that's made a huge difference because now I know that I can make time for myself. Like I am going to, this is my one thing. And then, you know. And I think that, yeah, the dishes, I think, you know, there's something also really powerful about that because for myself, I think this limiting belief that I had was there is not enough time to write. Mm -hmm. And it's such a small thing, but changing that one limiting belief for me, because what I realized is actually uh, there is, like you said, so you have that approach, which is awesome. I think for me, um, it, I was my limiting, my limiter was like, I'm working a full-time job. I don't have time in the evening or I don't have the energy in the evening. So it's not going to happen. And when I finally realized that I could make time, um, by getting up more early in the morning and that did work for me, it's mm-hmm. a small thing. It's like, okay, so, so yeah. So you have an hour of writing time a day, big deal. But actually what I feel like it did for me was like unplug this one thing that was stopping me from being creative and from pursuing things in other areas, like, you know, like podcast and, you know, writing and, and like whatever else that leads to like, and maybe it's not going to just be writing. Maybe there's something else that's going to happen after that. But like when you find a strategy to get past this one limiting belief, whatever it is. And I think for us writing moms, like it often is the time thing. Oh yes. It's like, it opens up your possibility. It like leads you to the next thing and then leads you to the next thing. Whereas when I was stuck with that idea of like, I don't have time. All I can do is the sand, you know, it really was, I feel like I was, my development was like arrested. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. 
I agree 100%. It's definitely a mind, a mindset shift. Mindset. Um, mm-hmm. And it's hard to get there. Uh, I know it took me several years to finally get there. It took me to get up to almost an emotional breakdown before I finally got there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, when I'm, oh, it's one of the reasons why I really love working with my clients because I'm trying to prevent them from getting to the emotional breakdown. Like let's, let's make time for you now before you ever get there. I don't want you to get there or I'm going to help you get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like also it's not just about the practicality of it. I think underneath it, the reason you let yourself stay there is emotional, right? There's Mm -hmm. for myself, there was fear about, uh, well, maybe, you know, I'm not actually a good writer. So mm, I'm going to point to that thing over there as the reason that I've given up on this dream. Right. Yeah. It's easy. It's, it's comfortable to say, eh, I don't have time. That's true. Cause like I said, when I first started writing, even with my blog, I hated my writing and I have a master's in writing. And so, yeah. So I, I feel like I completely wasted getting my master's in creative writing. Why did I spend all that money to do absolutely nothing with it? I mean, it helped, of course, with my editing career, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't making use of it as a writer. And then to not have written for six years, I just felt like my skills had completely run dry. Um, But when I finally started writing again, it turned out that I had a... um, it was kind of like a dam, you know, where I just, I had stuffed everything so far down that when I finally let the words back onto the page, it was just overflowing. I was like, oh my God, I've got thousands of stories to tell now because I stuffed them down for so long. I know there's a good metaphor that I think moms will relate to. It's like when your toddler has like that, like poo plug. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're like constipated and they it gets like, then you finally like stick your finger in there and then release it for them. And then it's like gush of like <laughs> diarrhea poo that's been like, I don't know, accumulating. I don't know how it works, but uh-huh. I feel like that limiting belief is like that constipated poo plug that the toddler has that you yes. get it out. And then you don't know the diarrhea flow of creativity is going to definitely. I definitely had a diarrhea flow of creativity <laughs> and, um, you know, I give my, my kiddo now poop gummies, they're fiber gummies, but we call them poop gummies. And he's like, mama, you didn't give me my poop gummies today. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry here. So I guess my writing is my poop gummies. Yes. <laughs> gummies. Yeah. I feel like when you become a mom, you become intimately acquainted with bowel movements. It's oh God. Yes. Job description. Yes conversations with my husband about poop. Did he poop today? Yeah. I think he did. What was the consistency? What was the color? Is it okay? Does he need more poop gummies? Less poop gummies. Where are we at? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You need latex gloves for this rule. Yeah. What about your own writing practice? So how does that fit into everything? So it's interesting because I, prior to having children, I focused primarily on fiction and dabbled in poetry. Um, and then, you know, 
I was working on a epic fantasy novel prior to having my children. And then that came to a halt for six years. And then when I started writing again in the form of my blog, I was utterly shocked that my writing had taken on creative nonfiction. Mm. I, yeah, I had never been interested in nonfiction, uh, but that that was what needed to come out first. Mm-hmm. That was my poop plug. And <laughs> so I spent a year working on creative nonfiction. And honestly, one of my favorite pieces that I wrote was when reality shifts at 28 weeks. Uh, and it, it dealt specifically with the moment when we went in for the ultrasound for my first child at 28 weeks. And we were supposed to see the wax baby 3d sonogram. Mm -hmm. And when they were trying to show that to us and instead of counting fingers and toes, we started counting minutes and, it got like the technician just kept getting more and more quiet oh, and then the screen tilted away from us. Oh no, no, no. And then she went to go get the doctor and I turned to my husband and I was like, that's a red flag. Right. And he was like, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Um, and so I- I'll forever remember that moment. But part of what I realized was that from that moment on, I never really gave myself a chance to process what I had gone through with that first pregnancy. Yeah. And so that particular piece that I wrote slowed down just the moment of me trying to grapple with the doctor revealing that I needed to go into the hospital right then and there for two weeks. Um, And my doctor later revealed to me that if I had not gone for that 28 week sodogram, I probably would have miscarried within three days. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, she didn't tell me that until after he was born. I I asked her, I was like, that was a really bad moment. Wasn't that? And she was like, yeah, like wow. that was so, um, but that piece just take it. It's just like the moment of realization of me trying to process what the doctor was saying, because it's interesting how our mind tries to grapple with um terrifying moments like that because my mind kept skipping back to but we left the paint trays out in the nursery because we're painting the nursery so i i have to go home and finish painting the nursery i can't go into the hospital right now i I have paint waiting for me so that that was that was my initial writing um Mm -hmm. and that helped me to just allow my creativity to take the lead uh, and then the editor and me could then come in and, and clean everything up. Um, but now I'm working on my first fiction novel. Yeah. And I'm really excited because I help other people publish their books. And I'm I'm finally working on mine. And it's going to come out later this year. And I wanted to just write something fun. I have enough tension in my life and struggles and reality that I just wanted to write something fun. So I'm writing a fun fantasy novel that was supposed to be what I called my throwaway book, just so I could be like, I've, I have the experience of writing a novel for writing my next novel. Um, but now, now I have uh, the outline for four books in that series. So it just keeps growing. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting how two things. One, the biggest change for me with being able to 
write my own stories now uh, because being an editor, I tend to, the editor tends to step in too quickly and I start judging my writing. These are things that I talk to about with my clients all the time. And I finally learned how to turn my inner judge off. And it was embracing the shitty first draft. And I gave myself permission to just tell the story the first time round and not get hung up on, am I showing everything? Am I getting the perfect scene setting? Am I showing emotions rather than just telling people how they're feeling? Have I worked in dialogue correctly? Like, no, the first draft, just get the story down on the paper. So this Mm -hmm. way you can check for structure and plot holes. And, you know, do I understand my character's arc? Do I understand their transformation? Have I covered all of those plots? Once you get all that figured out, then you can go back and make it all pretty. Yeah. Right. So, um, and it's just interesting because I edit shitty first drafts all the time and help people make them better. And I, I don't know why it blocked me for so long, but, um, yeah, finally I got past that. So I, I finished my shitty first draft of 110 K and I'm working on revisions right now, which is really exciting. And so, so that was a big difference with really just allowing myself to literally tell the story. Like if I, don't want to go into detail right now. I will leave myself brackets and be like, these guys are going to have an argument about something along these lines. End bracket. Keep writing. <laughs> like I will come back and fill in that idea later. I am not going to get stuck in the void or the wormhole of the internet trying to figure out what that is right now. Yeah. So that was a big difference. And then the other thing that has been huge is learning to evaluate my writing looking backwards. So rather than me judging my writing as I am writing it, or even that shitty first draft, instead, when I look back at my writing from a year and a half ago, when I first started my blog, and I thought that that article was terrible, um, I can see tremendously how much I grew as a writer from that first article. So I've learned to see my growth looking backwards because our goals are always moving ahead of us, right? I catch up to a goal and then my goalpost for the next one just keeps moving ahead. So I feel like I'm never reaching my goals because I'm always catching up to them and then they keep moving. But when I stop and I look backwards, then I can see how far I've truly come and I can celebrate my success and my achievements and um, be inspired by that to keep going. That's very true. It's so easy to not notice how much progress we've made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so, like you said, then you don't appreciate it. You don't celebrate it. So you don't get that energetic lift because you're not savoring the journey. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I never would have made that progress if I had stopped with that first article and said, wow, this really is crap. No, I can't write. Wasn't crap, Aaron. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So what would be your top piece of advice for um, parents like you? Don't give up on your creativity because it feeds your soul. And when you make time to feed your soul, you're so much better able to show up then for your family. 
making time for yourself is not selfish because when I made no time for myself and I focused only on my family, they weren't getting the best version of me. But when I learned to slow down and and I didn't move my family's priorities down on my list, I moved myself up to be equal with them. And when I did that, I became a happier person, which means that they got a happier mom. You are just as important as every other member of your family, if honestly, not more so because of the fact that you're the linchpin. Beautiful words of advice. And where can people get more of that? I would say anybody listening to this particular episode, do a search for Parents Who Write. Come listen to our podcast too, because I think that there's no such thing as too much inspiration out there. You know, I feel like we all need each other so much. And so check out our episodes and uh, listen to more parents who share similar stories and also uh, get writing tips and advice. I share my experience as an editor and offer uh, some writing, some writing tips as well. I love talking about writing. I could talk about editing all day long. <laughs> Writers <laughs> like to talk about writing. That is one thing I have discovered. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. perfect. So I'll put a link to your podcast in the show notes as well. So people can just click right away and go listen to an episode. And thank you so much for coming on the show today, Erin. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really, really loved being able to talk about this. And I can't wait to have you on my show. Okay, here are the top takeaways. Number one, every day set one to three priorities and make sure that one of those is just for you. There will always be sand, so make sure there's a few rocks in there that are serving your creative dreams. Number two, schedule block your day. You may be surprised to see where you can actually find holes in your schedule that you can use for writing. Number three, take time to celebrate your achievements. It matters because this is what is going to fuel you over the long term. And as Aaron mentioned, it's so easy to forget how far we've already come. Number four, self-care is a skill and one that you need to take seriously once you have children. And number five, give yourself permission to have a shitty first draft. Thanks so much for listening. If you can rate or review this podcast on Apple or Spotify, that would mean the world to me. I will talk to you next week. And in the meantime, happy writing. <laughs>